And it took us about a year and a half after that to really complete the product because what we found is that there were more problems that we needed to solve than just one. So Point is is an app that you can find ways to do good in your city, right? Yep. You can volunteer just as easy as you can get an Uber. But we realized that there was a lot more problems when we were going to talk to all these nonprofits that those nonprofits had than just finding new volunteer support. And that we realized the biggest problem was is that nonprofits didn't have access to technology. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm your host and friend, Nick LaPara. And on this podcast, you'll hear from amazing damn givers and you'll find the hope and the tools to help you give more dams than ever before. Thank you so much for being here. My guest today is the fascinating Madison McHale Bush. Madison is the CEO of Point and she splits her time between Columbus, Ohio and New York City. You'll hear more about why those two cities during our chat. So Madison is the founder of Point, as I've already mentioned. Point is a platform that helps people and organizations do good in the world. She says that charities who want to do good but spend so much time with data entry or managing volunteers, Point wants to help them get out from their desks and help them fulfill their mission. I love that. And it resonates with the vision and mission of Let's Give a Damn so, so deeply. Side note. I wanted to talk with Madison for a very long time. We had so much more to dig into, but we were borrowing a conference room at VaynerMedia in New York City to record this, thanks to my friend and chief heart officer, Claude Silver at VaynerMedia. And the room was book solid, so we had to cut it short. We didn't have a lot of time. But the upside is you can follow her and point on all the socials and learn much more about her in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Anyway, I love this app. I love Madison, and I think we all have something to learn from her story her journey, this product, and her passion for helping people. So let's get right into it, shall we? Here's my conversation with Point CEO and wearer of bright orange, Madison McHale Bush. Okay, welcome Madison McHale Bush to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Yes, good. Uh, We have so much to talk about. Do you remember how we even got in touch. I know it was on social media, obviously. Yeah, but I think like, through a mutual friend. Okay. I was racking my brain trying to figure out who we both know. and Was it Brandon Kuhn? It was. Okay. It was. He, shout out to Brandon. Yeah, shout out to Brandon. He's a connector. He is. As am I. And so I lose track of who I introduce people to. Right. And they're like, thanks for, I had a great meeting with so-and-so. And I was like, Thanks for telling me. They're like, no, you put us together. Happens to me all the time. So yes, it was Brandon. Yeah, so thanks. I've been trying to go back and thank people that make those connections because it really is how things happen. And so often, I think when you get somewhere, you forget to go back and say thank you. And it's been a thing that has been on my list of things to do this year. So that's a great great thing to do. Thanks for starting me off well. Brandon, yeah. I know his brother. Okay. Um, I know his brother well. Yep. Um, I went to school with him um, and a bunch of my friends in high school. We all stayed really close. I married a kid I knew from high school. And so I actually forgot Nate in geometry class one time. So now I'm publicly saying I know him. <laughs> there um. you go. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful. So thank you, Brandon. Let's begin. We're going to talk about point app. Um, do you say point or point app? Point. Point. Yeah. It is an app. It we is an app. Point. We call it point. Yep. Before we get to point, I want to hear about your story. I want to hear as much or as little as you want to tell, but we're, we always find little indicators, little, you know, things that tell us, you know, show us why you are the way you are, why you're doing those things that you're doing. 
Um, so is, is when I say tell me your story, as much as those you want to tell, I want to hear it. Okay. So I'm excited to be on this podcast in particular because I feel like I'm talking to my people. I really yes, do. Because you are. I care about everything. Yeah. When I say everything, I mean basically everything. Yeah. That's everybody listening. Yeah. So <laughs> I hear it all the time. Hello, my friends. Yeah. I literally care about everything. And yeah. let me tell you an example of how I care about everything. When it rains, I sometimes go outside and um, pick up worms off the street because I'm afraid that yeah. they're going to dry out and, they're and get everywhere. smushed. Yep. Um, it's not so much a problem in New York City. Um, there's no worms to save. Yeah. Yes. Um, but in Columbus, Ohio, like saving the worms is, is something I care about. Yeah. So I've... Yeah, that's something that no one's thinking about. Right. But for some reason, I yeah. am. So I've always cared about pretty much everything. Um, I think I was born with a really big worldview. Um, my dad's an Egyptian immigrant, and my mom is from small town Ohio, home of the opioid crisis. So that's a pretty big worldview to be born into. And I think I just started caring about pretty much a lot of things straight out of the womb. A lot of people said, you know, how do you expand your empathy? And I think sometimes it's just natural. And yeah. that's a lot of people listening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... I cared so much about a lot of things that I volunteered so much, 2,000 hours to be exact, wow. in high school that I yeah. basically volunteered my way into college. Yeah. Um, and sitting in college, I realized that it wasn't really easy to do something good. Like yeah. it was easier for me to book a room in Spain on Airbnb or order Thai food in bed at 11 p.m. than it was for me to do something good down my street. Yeah. And that's where Point came out of is literally because I just care too much. So did your parents, uh, going back a, a couple steps, did they put things in front of you or did you put things in front of you? Or was it a combination of both? Because, you know, you have to, for so many of these things that we want, that we care about or want to care about, like you have to go out of the house. And a lot of parents don't, they're thinking, you know, fun. They're thinking entertain our kids. They're not thinking, so many parents are not thinking, let me put them in front of something that is going to make them feel uncomfortable and weird and help them process through, okay, what do we do with this? Whether it's, you know, a homeless person or somebody that's, you know, on drugs or a friend that needs a place to stay or a political campaign, right? Like, right, or right. a march, right? Um, because that's extra work. It's more work than putting them in front of an iPad. Right. So what, not that you had, they had iPads when <laughs> we were younger, but so yeah, was it your parents or how, how did that happen? Do you have any indication as to how that grew? Right. I think my parents were all about solving problems and it wasn't necessarily social problems, but it was any problem. Um, I always tell the story of my dad looking at me when I was eight years old saying, you need to get a job. And he made me go knock on people's doors and mulch their yards uh, when I was eight years old. Or, you know, at the dinner table, we were always talking about solutions to things or, you know, dreaming up concepts or, um, you know, both of them really made a lot of things out of their life. They took their situation and they, you know, enhanced it in some sort of way, took control of their path. And I think that's something that they passed down probably without knowing it. Um, and I think I applied those things to social issues and said, I can fix this. I can do something about it. Let me change it. Because that was just the behavior that was just in my household. You know, my husband says that my sisters and I have three little sisters. Nice. Um, and we just- So only girls? Or only girls. Okay. Yeah, four girls. Um, and I hear we take on crazy projects. Like we'll 
redo a wall in a room or we'll do crazy, you know, crazy things yeah. that a lot of people are intimidated by maybe. Yeah. But for us, it's just, oh, it's just another problem to solve and yeah. we'll just do it. Yeah. Did So your dad came from Egypt? Yes. Okay. So uh, as a kid yep. um, during the Egyptian-Israeli war. And how did they land in Columbus, Ohio? That's just where... That's a good question. Yeah. Um, my grandfather was a Fulbright scholar and... Um, he was a couple times. So they came first to Ohio um, for my grandfather's PhD, which is kind of crazy. Um, but the classification of what he had to do had to be a PhD offering and like Harvard and all these areas weren't offering like a PhD in finance. Lo and behold, Ohio State was. Oh, wow. And that's where he ended. And then they went back and then the war happened, uh, one of the many. Um, yeah. And then they emigrated uh, officially during during that time. And how do you say, you mentioned earlier that Mikhail is, a, and I knew that, it's an, an Americanized way of saying something else. <laughs> yeah, so what is, yeah. what is the... It means Michael. Okay. Um, so uh, it's really just like a historical thing. Instead of, you know, coming and us being Michael, the Egyptians, because they're more aligned with the Russians, uh, pronounced it Mikhail um, instead of Michael coming to the U.S. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk point. Yes. Um, at what point? Point. Do people come on? That yeah, has, it's that always, has to happen. It's constant. I didn't even. I didn't even mean to. Yeah, I it's was constant. Say, at what point did you? At what point did you begin to think? You know, well, two thousand hours of volunteering—that's a lot. Um, it's uh, much. Yeah, it's it's a bunch. And you, you know, at what point did you say, um, okay, this this is not sustainable? Maybe like I, there has to be a better way. And then you're also probably observing your friends, right? Uh, and maybe f whatever family, friends, people around you that are just the thought of what needs to be done within a stone's throw of us right now is overwhelming. It's immense. It's overwhelming. And so, yeah, tell me about the, the kind of birth, the genesis of, yeah, what was going on inside of you and how did you make it happen? Right. So for many of us that care about something and just go down the path of solving it. There's a lot of, a lot of pivots that happen on yeah. the way and Point was a pivot. So it originally started as a giving website that I started when I was 18. I walked into a lawyer's office that I knew and I'm like, I want to start a nonprofit. It was a giving website. It didn't do so well. Mm. It didn't have the scale, didn't have the impact. Um, people weren't using the internet in the same way we were surfing the internet in 2010. Sure. Um, and it didn't have the potential to scale, and we shut it down. Yeah. When I shut it down, um, I, I was in my dorm room thinking, wait a second, it's actually pretty easy to give, but it's actually hard to do good. And I think that's that's the thing with us who care a lot. We care about a lot of things, and then it's – how do I take what I care about and turn it into something I need to do or I need to start doing? And that's what point wants to solve. We want to be that starting point. We want to be that easy way that when you think, I want to do something good in my city, you're going to whip out the app and tap go. Yeah. Just yeah. like you would getting an Uber yeah. or pulling out ClassPass. Um, you know, point can be like the ClassPass of charity. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't happen overnight. Right? Oh my gosh, no. So I fell on my about, face. Yeah, talk about the journey because um, I'm always trying to, as I hear these stories, it's, there's almost always a, you know, there's a, a pause between, you know, idea and, you know, fulfilled version of the idea. But we never, we don't want to talk about what happens in between. We don't want to talk about 
the five fucking hard years or the oh six, you know, whatever, like the, the, whatever the, the, the meals where you, or the weeks where you're not get, eating enough or right. like, I don't know how I'm going to pay bills in a week and right. those sorts of, people don't talk about that because that's uncomfortable right. and a nine to five sounds a hell of a lot better. <laughs> so talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many bumps in the road that it's hard to choose what bumps to talk about. Sure. Um, and it's not like we're even at the the end of it now. So we're still on the grind. Um, points not in most people's listener cities. You know, we're only in Ohio. So we want to scale to the nation and there's going to be a lot of more bumps ahead of us. But getting to this uh, point where we are now, point again, um, we have around 4,000 users and around like 125 nonprofits in Columbus alone using Point. But to get there... We did an Indiegogo campaign. So after, I already failed once. So let, let's, we have the first failure. I, which is the giving platform. Which is the giving platform. I like poured my heart and soul in my entire um, public perception into it. After my, like, I was very humbled by that experience. You know? I bet. Because you're what? You said you're a teenager, like at least yeah, at so college. Yeah, so I, I was graduating from college and I closed it. Yeah. Um, and I, instead of going to grad school, I slept in my parents' basement for a year fundraising for this new idea, even though I basically fell on my face for the old one. Yeah. So it takes some guts, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I was fundraising for a year. It was miserable. Absolutely miserable. I can't even tell you how terrible it was um, to raise $20,000, which was super, super tough. Um, I didn't have the experience. I came out of college as a biology major, which is the wrong side of the nerd kingdom. And I was trying to jump into tech and I'm young. I'm a woman. I'm in Ohio, you know, yeah. Who's going to give me money? Yeah. (laughs) No one. Yeah. I mean, in a place like New York where we are right now, you bump into somebody that has a shit ton of money, like every other, like all over. Right. And someone that, you know, this is where they live. They live here. They live in San Francisco. They live in LA. You know, mm-hmm. they they want to be in that ecosystem. Right. But your, you know, in your vision is going to, your vision of, no, we've got to build these companies in the states that are often forgotten or right. you wouldn't think it's coming out of. Right. And my guess is probably so many of them are not interested in that. They would rather you come here, spend way more on office space and living and all that because you're here, whatever right. that means, right. and you're not in Columbus, Ohio. So yeah, I can imagine it was Yes, exactly. I, I had one person actually physically yell at me saying I was tanking my company and I could kiss my idea goodbye because I wasn't willing to, to move to San Francisco. Wow. And that's the perception that you have when you're sometimes building things in the middle of the country, which can be very tough. But I'm very dedicated to that because, I mean, again, we had talked about this before, uh, we started the podcast, we should build things for the heart of the U.S. Um, that's representative of the U.S. And sometimes that's not just two cities. Yes, I live in New York now because my husband has a job here and I'm right. flying back and forth. Yeah, But we need to build products that are representative of the entire United States. Yeah. And it's very important to have that representation. So just like I think cultural representation is important, yeah. right? Like I'm freaking out that Rami Malek is on the screen. Yeah. Like absolutely, I'm brought to tears by it yeah. because I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, cool I think, shit's happening yeah. in that regard. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a little bit off track, but yes, I think it was really important that uh, we stayed in Ohio and we were fundraising during that time, but I had hired a firm out in San Francisco because again, I don't know anything about um, building anything. So I hired a firm. They basically took half of my money that I'd spend a year raising. It was a nightmare. 
I tweeted in desperation, where could I get $5,000? Someone said, give me five minutes. They didn't give me $5,000, but they introed me to the senior engineering manager at Twitter. I had a coffee with him. He told me very lovingly that I was going to tank my company in two weeks and I better just do plan A and plan B at the same time, um, which was really motivating. So I left San Francisco. I'm on the plane back to Columbus. um, And I remembered that a friend, um, I was at a frat party and uh, midnight at a frat party. And this guy had offered, if you ever need an app, let me know. And I'm thinking, well, I do need an app and I'm out of options. So I call him up the day before Thanksgiving. I'm like, hey, how you doing? You remember this time two years ago at a frat party, you'd say you'd build me an app. He said, yeah, the offer's still good. I'm like, great, perfect. You want to start next week? He said, yes. Um, And I asked him where he was working and he was working at Google. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, So we jumped on and he built us uh, just an MVP in about two yeah. weeks. And the guy from Twitter was so shocked because I was like live tweeting the experience sure. that he jumped on as well. Oh, cool. So we got this product um, from connections there, but they were able to bring in uh, Ohio developers to jump on and team up with them to finish the product out. I bet so, you he thought you were going to like leave and not not do anything. I'm you sure. Know? I'm sure. Like, Because the advice he gave you was, if you don't work double as hard, double as yes. fa- whatever, if you don't get bigger quicker, yes. you're going to tank. Yes. And that would scare most people. Right. That would send them into like retreat mode to shut it all down. Right. And I mean, I later, fired people at the, you know, I fired the firm. I hired, um, well, hired being begged. Yeah. <laughs> begged for Just free. say hired. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rocky, my friend from Google to jump on. And that was how we kind of got out the door. But that was to get us one part of the way through. Right. It wasn't to get us through the door. And it took us about a year and a half after that to really complete the product because what we found is that there were more problems that we needed to solve than just one. So Point is an app that you can find ways to do good in your city, right? You can volunteer just as easy as you can get an Uber. But we realized that there was a lot more problems when we were going to talk to all these nonprofits that those nonprofits had than just finding new volunteer support. And that we realized the biggest problem was is that nonprofits didn't have access to technology. And they had access to tech, but it was just, I was shocked, honestly, just shocked. Because one, the technology they're using is basically Stone Age material. Two, um, it's really pricey for really crappy stuff. And then three, 75% of all nonprofit leaders or community organizers are women. And these women are asking for tools, they're asking for better support. And I quickly realized what we were dealing with also became like a women in leadership issue. So we had to provide tools to our local community organizers that fit them, that worked for them, or that were in their budget, but also were really kick-ass. Yeah. And we are really um, set on making that happen because it's needed. Yeah. It's yeah. really needed. There's yeah. no reason that I can get a dog, my dog walked from an app. Quicker. Quicker. Than doing a good deed. Oh, than my Than doing gosh. something good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's wild. absolutely wild. Do you, do you have any competitors? Like, are there any, who, who else is doing it well, yeah, that you think like, oh, shit, they might crush us? or Because yeah, I, right. I don't know. It's funny to think of competitors in the doing good space right. because 
I'm at the same time, I'm really rooting them on because hundred percent. I'm like, but you also have to make a living and you have to build a team and all. <laughs> right, of that. right. I'm yeah. like, please crush this. Um, totally. So yeah, because you can't do it all. You need there needs to be a thousand yes. to, to cover everything. Yeah. So I get it. Um, I use that word competitor very loosely in the in the most loving <laughs> right kind of way. Right. So now there are when we started, I think we all basically started at the same time. Um, there are. In the nonprofit software space, there are hundreds of nonprofit software systems. Right. But for us, we are trying to come out this in two different ways. Instead of a nonprofit using three different software systems, and this is where we sound boring, it's like, oh, software. But it's it keeps it going, it keeps, it keeps the engine it's, running. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell people I want to be the most impactful, invisible person that you'll ever meet hmm. because I need to give people the tools to go change our communities and save the world. And I need to support them and give them tools to do so because I literally care about everything. Remember, coming back to that, I want to empower the person who's community organizing to clean up trash, to human trafficking, to saving, uh, you know, the water crisis and the worms. Yes. Don't forget the worms. Yes. No, you, got you need to get some worm <laughs> activities on there, right? So um, our competitors, there's one in New York that I think I would say they're crushing it. Um, I tell them all the time. We actually know each other, nice. and I think they're amazing. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, organization out in LA that's very similar as well, um, and there's another one in Florida, but I don't know if they're as active. So it's kind of funny. It's like LA, middle of US, us, and New York. Yep. No, that's really cool. Uh, what's so funny about this whole thing, I, I don't think I've told you this, that's uh, a point app-like platform was the original let's give a damn. Really? And I never built it. Like we prototyped it, but I felt stronger about, I was trying to figure out like how to grow this thing. Right. What I want to do. And I chose storytelling and, uh, you know, just communicating more through podcast radio to like be the platform mm -hmm. versus, you know, being a tech company, um, which would ultimately it would have ended up being more just like creating products and stuff, which again, because I saw that same need. That's right. the whole – I love everything you're saying because that's the whole reason that Let's Give a Damn exists mm -hmm. is for a few different reasons. But it's all the same heartbeat, which is people feel so overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. Exactly. And convincing them, like convincing yes. every person that if you do your thing, mm -hmm. everybody has a thing, maybe things, but probably thing. You can't do everything. You can't fix everything. I know how you feel. That's how I feel. And I'm ADHD. I'm an Enneagram 8. And so all my achieving – desires go to the wayside if there's shit to do now, right. right? My career has also been, you know, very because I, I can't stay focused for long enough because this has to get done right now. And so I, I try to spend most of my time convincing people, if you do your thing, find your things, like sit down in silence, shut the fucking Netflix off, like just sit down. What is your heart drawn toward? What are you passionate about? You do that thing and everybody else does their thing, every, like so much gets fixed. Right. But we get so like about it that we just like retreat and do the opposite. We binge Netflix every night and we do this and that. Nothing ever gets done. And um, you motivate them to get off the couch, and I'm giving them yeah. the starting point. Yeah. And I think again, everybody is a piece of that puzzle. Yep. And I tell my team, what does it look like if forty thousand people in one city have the same starting point? Yeah. What type of impact? Yeah. Can they make? Yeah. I think it's so critical. Yeah. And for people who care about doing good, we can often get tired. And I've met a lot of people 
who will actually reach out to me and send me materials because they had started on a thing like Point in the past and had gotten tired. And I've literally had stacks and stacks of pitch decks or information or sketches or anything. It's awesome Um, because most of the time, if you care about something, someone else is going to care about too. And we want at point, we'd say we want to point people in the right direction to find those other people that also care about the same thing because we don't need to be this like, I don't know, uh, dispersed effort. It's 2019. We can organize. Yeah. We can collect. We don't have to have thousands of organizations doing different things. We can join together and we can do the same things together. Yep. Um, but it does get tiring. And I wrote this down because I've been keeping it in the back of my yeah. mind. And it's um, if your listeners or you have grown up in like a Christian religious household, it's from Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. And that to me is just when you care a lot, Mm -hmm. you also can get really freaking tired. And I think for me, what I try to think about is like, what do I do when I care too much? And the first thing is know who I'm doing good for. Two, know why. And then three, know myself. And why that's so important is that when you remember who you're doing good for, you don't get bogged down by all the people that are not coming with us. You know, in your life, you probably yeah. have so many people that either dismiss you or in my life, you know, some of my friends don't use my app. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not building it for yeah. them. I'm not. Yeah. And yeah, it can bog you down. And, you know, I'm composting. I'm talking about it on Instagram a lot. I'm yes, really excited yeah. about it. Which, but, which is a struggle in New York, right? <laughs> it's not easy. Like actually, I have a compost bin in the back of, you know, in our backyard. Right. It's just you take it out. And it, right. Well, New Yorkers' version of composting is we, we take it to the farmer's market. And then they compost. Right. But still, you got to like, yes. it'd be much easier to throw it in the trash bin. It would be a lot yeah. easier. So I'm taking frozen compost down the street. Nice. But, you know, I'm remembering who I'm doing good for. And, um, and then knowing why. I know why I'm doing this is because I don't want to live in a society that we are not giving tools to the best people doing the best work. Yeah. I'm sick of it. Yeah. We have to give tools to the amazing people out there that could just be elevated if they just had a platform or literally a tool set to be amplified. Yeah. We need it. And then know your know yourself. What do you mean by that? How does that fit into? I mean, I think I can assume, but like, right. what, what do you mean by that? How does it fit into? Know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. Yep. Know your limitations. For me, I know that. Um, just like an example, I'm not so great of a writer. Really not. Yeah. I was science for a reason. Yeah. Um, and my team, uh, I've had a person on my team. Her name's Lindsay, and she's been helping me for you know years coming alongside me and editing emails. I once sent a uh, push notification to 4,000 people that had two grammatical errors. <laughs> so you need those people. Yeah, and, and that's just a small example. Yep. But you need to know yourself, know your limitations. I've been burnt out before. And for most people that care a lot, you're going to get burnt out and you need to figure out how to keep yourself motivated and how you keep yourself sane. Um, so I think those three things are things that I run through in my head. Of how do I not grow tired of doing good? Because yeah. you grow tired of it yeah. very quickly. Yep. And I think there's some things that we can do as a community of people that really care or care too much to kind of keep each other together and just keep going. Yeah, it's way better done in the community. 
Absolutely. So if I download the app right now and I live in Columbus, Ohio, what do I see? How does it work? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you download the Can app- Can I download it and just like- Yeah. And I, it'll it'll show the places that need help? Even yes. Though, okay. Yep. Okay. I'm going to look at it. So- Currently, when you download the app, we ask you what causes you care about. We also ask you a lot of personal information, so don't be shocked. But charities have to have that information about you, and we're like the one-stop shop to sign up, so we got to pass it to them, of course, like when you sign up and with your consent. So once you sign up and give us all your information and agree to all of our legal terms, you choose the causes you care about, and they're based off of the UN's global goals. So you pick one of those 20 causes, or all of them, yeah. in my case, again, yeah. all of them. <laughs> and uh, we'll show you the things that associate with those causes that you care about. You can also filter by your availability. And then once you're ready to go to an event, you can click, literally tap go. And then we send that information to a charity. And that charity now has all of your info. And you can walk through the door. The charity can check you in on point, And then all the stuff that you don't see so your thing is done on point. You've gone to the thing. You've showed up. You've added to your calendar. You've gotten push notifications. It's basically class pass. Yeah. Um, when the charity has all that info, they can take your information to reporting. They have, you know, they can track their hours. They can track their impact. No longer do they have to use Excel, crunch numbers, all the group management tools there. that they need. It's basically like a cloud-based CRM. So we don't have these poor nonprofits literally doing this by pen and paper or Excel or using a clunky system. Do people have to do like a background check? Is that what you meant by all the questions? It's not a background check. Okay. It's just general do information. They have, do they still have to do one with a nonprofit if they require it? Depends. That's like okay. Right. It depends. So if they work with victims of trauma, they sure. may have you do a program or something yeah. like that. But we actually tell you if the event requires a background check or training or something right. like that. So you can be aware that you need to go do those things or contact them or they'll let you know when you walk through the door. Where does it go from here? Like you're in Columbus, Ohio. Right. And you're kicking butt and, you know, trying to figure out how to get Columbus, Ohioans to really buy into this. Um, At what point do you say, okay, we're on our way here. Let's take this to other cities. Or do you not do that? I know you've talked about making it bigger and better and spreading it wider. Scaling is the biggest question on how to scale. Um, So... Once you finally get to the point where you're doing something, it's how do you grow it? And for us, we have a couple more things coming out in the next month, which are really exciting. Two different platforms, one for schools and one for small businesses, and that will help us scale to other cities. So once those two platforms are out um, and we're able to scale um, with the partnerships that we do have, um, you know, when we bring on a high school, we bring on 2,000 kids. That's a lot of scale. So... um, We'll be scaling in in that way. And then also, if you go to the pointapp.org, you can vote for your city. Um, and you can vote to bring point to your city. So we're going to see where the biggest demand is after that and then start going into other cities uh, with the model that we bring on nonprofits, users, schools, and, and businesses to all be a part of this ecosystem of doing good. This might be personal, go but how do, you, how do you make money then? What, yeah. how, how do you, how do you scale question. this thing, right? Because you need money to do all this shit. Right. Um, so we charge. The nonprofits. We charge everyone, but yep. at different amounts. Yep. So nonprofits, we charge in that cost. Basically, so I can eat. Yeah. Someone has to pay Google. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and 
Um, at businesses, we charge them as well. In schools, we charge them. It's a dollar per student a semester. It's yeah, not very much. No. Um, but w- since we're everybody's kind of pitching in to build the platform, it makes that scalability a lot easier. I tell people I'm not building this to get rich off of this. I'm building this because we need it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that makes total sense. Give us some of your biggest struggles building this thing and some of your biggest wins and how you have become a better version of Madison as a result. The timeline might have been my biggest struggle. When you start in doing something good, you think two years. Don't I know it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You think, oh man, by this age, um, I'll be, you know, on Ellen or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, but you just throwing that out. But you're like, I'm making something great. Right. The world needs this. Right. This is gonna crush. Absolutely. And you know, I've been in offices where I've been asked to leave within, you know, 20 minutes of an hour-long meeting because they just don't believe in what we're doing or, you know, I'm not I'm not on my A game or, you know, I've I've really fallen on my face several times and just the length it has taken to build the product. I mean, I could pulled my hair out. I always wish that I learned how to develop uh, really really early on so that I could have just made it myself by the time, you know, we've gotten this far, I feel like I could have built the product. Yeah. So the timeline is absolutely the biggest struggle. And that takes a lot of persistence and it takes a lot of you recognizing your small wins. And those small wins are so important because to me, 4,000 users is a small win because I'm looking at it when I'm looking at a city, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I want to transform a city, if I want to take hold and change the way that city engages with the people who need help the most, we got to mobilize 20,000 people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm using that as a small win in my mind to say, there's more impact that we can make, but we're making impact right now. Again, the biggest wins are those me taking the time to recognize those small wins because naturally I don't do that. Naturally, I'm thinking two years ahead or naturally I'm thinking six months ahead or missed opportunities. I wish naturally I wasn't that way. I think it pushes me to be better but I wish I was naturally a more positive person. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of times people who do that are really positive. Maybe I'm just like the black sheep of negativity in this community. But, you know, I think it really does propel me to want to create really large change because I'm just not satisfied most of the time. Um, but I think the best moments for me are people coming up to me and saying, hey, I just went to Special Olympics. I saw that event on your app and it was amazing. Yeah. I met a lot of great kids and it completely changed the way that, you know, I view people with special needs. Yeah. That to me, I'm like taken aback. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not the numbers. It's those moments and the impact and the depth that we're trying to create and or, a, you know, a nonprofit coordinator telling me, I feel like I can make impact finally. I feel like I can actually do my job finally. I feel like I can actually go help, you know, my victims of human trafficking that I often just have to go do paperwork. I mean, that's incredible. So the stories are definitely my wins. Yeah, totally. No, I. it is the beauty and the power of storytelling, right? When we're right. doing something and people come back and say, that worked. I mean, my story has been so similar with building Let's Give a Damn and other things, and so much has failed. Some things are winning, but it's when people, you know, every week I get emails, texts, direct messages, people saying that story, 
like wrecked me or I'm doing this now because of your podcast or, you know, keep up the good work. I know I get these notes all the time and it just, and they always come at the right time, right? They come at the right, right time because because it is hard. It's hard to keep it going. So you talked about some of your struggles, some of your wins. What is the one biggest way that you've grown as a leader as a result? You know, I started doing this a couple years back when I was doing the giving website. I would ask my team every year, every six months, I would send out like an anonymous Google Doc basically mm-hmm. or Google form asking them to evaluate me. I asked them to list the things that I, top three things I do really well, top three things that I do really poorly. Mm. And that experience has been absolutely the best thing I've ever done as a leader. I remember the first feedback that I had received was I wasn't so good with communication. Sometimes when you're someone who likes to do a lot of things, you just start doing them and you don't talk about them and you're not so great at communicating with the people who are supposed to be helping you. And now when I do that feedback, uh, I think last year the top thing I was doing well was communication. Yeah. And I've just been able to recognize and ask people very freely and very openly as a leader, what can I do better on? And I think the thing I do best at is listening. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm willing to listen and I want to listen because I don't have all the answers. I just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wind down so we can get out of here in time. I want we'll 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 do another one of these sometime as point grows. Okay, I'm so good. excited to see this thing grow. And I'm glad you're doing it and not me. Cause I I uh it's not always different, the most yeah, fun. yeah, and we have different gifts and skill sets. And I, right. I don't know that I would have had I continued with it. I mean, I had someone to build it. I had the team that I was already forming, and I was just like, I don't think it's a very worthy endeavor, right? Right. As you know. But I just don't, I don't know if I can, if this is my like long-term trajectory. Right. So and I'm, I think you were wise to look down the road to say, this isn't going to take five years. I yeah. think that I like fell into this because I was dumb Yeah. and I just started tackling in it and I was just too stubborn to give up and here I am. Just blind optimism it was, and persistence. It was complete blind persistence. Yeah. Complete. And that is the only reason that I'm here today. Because if I had known how hard it would be yeah. to get to this point, I would have never started. Yeah, I would have never started. Your story, what you're describing, and what many people that are listening have done, people that do give a damn on a regular basis, like it's a story of the Martin Luther Kings and the you know so many people that we look up to that had plenty of reasons. They didn't know the future. And then they were also met with a bunch of shit that like physically, emotionally all the leads hurt them right. and they just kept going. Right. And so I think it's, it's a learned skill. Not, you know, I don't think we're born ready to take punches in the face, at least not that many. And we just have to like get through it. You know, once we push through it and get punched in the face, I felt this so many times. I'm like, Oh, what I'm going through right now feels so bad. Like, am I going to come out okay on the other side? And then I do. Right. We always do. It's so surprising. And then we do, and then we're like, Oh, well, I, okay. I took that. Yeah, I did on it. On to the next one. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful way to, to grow and build this thing. Okay, last question. Everybody gets this question. This is the okay. same every time, which is, uh, well, the scenario, you're going to die someday, many, many years from now. It's all in the in the cards for us. We're all going to die. But in this scenario, I get to give your eulogy. Um, so all of your family and your friends and your point team and the people that you've been able to touch and uh, work with and serve and love, they're all there. Great. Please wear orange. 
I will. <laughs> if it happens, I will totally. Um, if you follow Madison on Instagram, is your you have a public account? Yeah. Okay, well, go follow her. She's always wearing orange. <laughs> the same orange. I was going to ask you this in the hallway, actually. I'll ask you right now before we before I ask you the serious question. <laughs> pause on the pause. death thing. Yeah, right. pause on the death thing. Um, did you pick an orange that you knew you could get clothes for? Is it the same orange? Or like close? I try. Yeah. I mean, this is no, thrifted. No, it looks identical. This is thrifted. So you just look for I things look for, that look. Yeah, I look for my color palette. Yeah. And I go for it. Again, you can't miss this orange and this big hair. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I will wear orange and I will say what about your life and legacy? That I loved people well. I think I want that to be my legacy. And that I did things. Yeah. You did things. I did things. You didn't sit around. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wished I would have or want to communicate to the Let's Give a Damn family? If you give a damn, you should download Point. Yeah. Or if you can't download Point because we're not in your city, if we're not in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you I have some Columbus, Ohioans on here. If you don't live in Ohio, you should go to pointapp.org and tell us where you live yeah. so we can come to you. Yeah. Or you can send us a DM yes. at Point App. So they can vote. But my guess is that a lot of people listening are not from Columbus, but they know some, like everybody has somebody in Columbus, I feel like. Yeah, you know? everyone's like, from Ohio. Everyone it, has a cousin in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that cousin, that aunt, that friend from college yes. needs to download. Because uh, yeah. the more users you get, the more you'll be able to prove that you can take this other cities. It yes, just helps absolutely. everybody. Yep. You can download at pointapp.org or look up volunteer in the app store. Okay. Volunteer in the app store, pointapp.org, uh, point app on the social medias. Yes. And should people follow you personally? What if is you, your if what you want to, it's at Madison McHale. And if you're interested in composting, you absolutely should. Yes. Especially if you're in a big city and you need to know <laughs> how to freeze it. We don't freeze ours. We have, we take it right outside. But, uh, but do I do it. have a lot of friends that their freezers are full of, you know, they live in cities. They right. can't get there. So that like, right. I open their fridge. There's no ice cream in there. There's no ice <laughs> in their freezer. It is all bags it's of compost. It's all bags of compost because yeah. again, I'm all about saving the worms. Yes. Saving the worms. Madison McHale Bush. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in, dear friends. I hope you're encouraged and challenged to give a damn today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, today. You can follow Madison and Point on IG. Madison McHale, that's Madison like Madison, and McHale is M-I-K-H-A-I-L, Madison McHale. And follow Point at Point App on Instagram, and you can find them all over the socials. If you're in and around Columbus, Ohio, be sure to download this app and get started today. And the more support and help they get, the quicker they can grow into other cities. Yes? Yes. As always, you can find links and more information about this podcast conversation and all things Let's Give a Damn by going to, you guessed it, letsgiveadam.com. If you love what we're doing, please tell a friend, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or consider giving us a few dollars each month to support the production of this show by visiting us at patreon.com slash letsgiveadamn right now. This podcast episode was created by Chad Snavely and yours truly. The music is by our friend and fellow damn giver propaganda. I cannot wait to spend time with you next week. More amazing conversations to come. I love you all. Peace. Peace.